When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to episode 25 of Flow Wrestling Radio Live. I'm your host, Christian Piles, joined, and I can't say as always, by my main man, Willie Saylor, because he was a, he got a DMP last time. He didn't, didn't show up, wasn't able to make it, but he is back. Um, he is traveling the world over. Um, and it, it's been it's been a long couple weeks for Willie Saylor, and uh, there's no end in sight. Willie, how are you? I'm good, man. I'm here at Flow Nationals, uh, up in the suites. My they call it my perch now because I'm always in the same spot the last couple years. Busy though, man. I'm I'm really looking forward to Flow Nationals, but it's been busy. Uh, home three days in Austin in a twenty in a twenty day span with NCAA's, NHSCA's, and here at Flow Nationals with uh, all the prep work that goes into each event and um, previews, seating, traveling, etc. No sleep. Uh, trivia crack games expiring oh like, no like a plague so that's not good that's not good at all the trivia crack i i'm uh i'm probably not gonna ever play you again because i had like one turn and then you ran off like five or however many straight and the game was over and um i figured out you were googling them whether that's true or not that's how i'm, that's how I'm gonna rationalize the defeat and i'm gonna move on i'm gonna take my ball and go home uh in trivia crack so my um, record is like 120, and Jason Bryant owns like 18 of those wins. Wow. I don't know how he does it. And like I said, Google. Whenever you lose, just say they Googled it. Blame it on Google? It, just blame it. Yeah, they cheated. They cheated. That's how – I've never lost. I've just, you know, people have cheated in d- different games. So, um, yeah, that's, that's – so It's l- good, to be, good to be back with you, bud. I missed it. I missed it on Monday, uh, long weekend, rough rough weekend yeah the beach lifestyle too much seafood probably i can i can see that that being problematic for you potentially <laughs> you love your you love your you love your seafood. Well, Bradkey, Bradkey did good no, he Brad- did good the young buck he filled in he did a great job had fun with him but um we're back we got the pilot and co-pilot back in in the driver's seat and uh, some big news um this week the big news of the week is cleveland state um cutting funding to the wrestling program after uh, this coming season that that's uh, gonna start next fall. So they have one more year left at least, and then uh, there's there's no more money for you. So the the onus is kind of on Cleveland State Wrestling to I guess raise this money to save the program. What was your reactions when this came out? Surprise, disappointment. Uh, what were you feeling, Willie? Um, I I was feeling disappointed, but um, I. I don't know. Not as pessimistic as everybody else, as everybody else did. Because everybody, I, I mean, not everybody, but a lot of people erroneously felt like Cleveland State wrestling was getting cut, and that's not 100% true. I mean, it's very scary, and uh, I hate it, but it, it is possible to save a program with donations. So. Yeah, we've we've seen it um, before. You know, Arizona State was quote unquote you know, cutting their funding or cutting wrestling and uh, same for Brown. And those two um, are both now, you know, Arizona state is, it's going to be a, yeah, a, a monster so, soon. And now, and Brown's doing fine as well. Yeah. You know, so it's, it's, it's a scary thing and it's unfortunate. And, and uh, I say shame on you to the people at um, Cleveland state, the administration who was making this decision, uh, Cleveland's one of the best wrestling uh, areas in the country. I mean, maybe the best. And um, universities, I'm fully on board with universities, are supposed to service the people of their community. Yeah. So, so you know, adopting lacrosse and taking your allegiances away from what, what the community, uh, the kids in your area participate in um, – to me is self-serving and, yeah. and you know, 
So uh, that that's very unfortunate. You you wonder what is you know it's it's easy to kind of cast a very specific um, blame on you know you could say the coaching or, or just CSU wrestling in general you know they're not winning so um, it's on it's on the coach Ben Stahura or you know it's on the wrestlers or or whatever but it is uh, and I'm not really wanting to do that but I don't understand how you don't ingrain your culture how you get the culture of, of wrestling strong there at Cleveland State when like you said um, and you've said before Cleveland is like the center of uh, American wrestling in many ways with all the the monsters that that area turns out so is it just that maybe the area is only concerned with um, kind you know, of their it, own their... when I go to uh, when I go to Iron Man which is not far from Cleveland uh, I go every year and I'm you know I haven't gone to every single one of them in history, but when I go there and you go past the exits, right, and you see exit whatever, 15A, this town, and exit 20C, this town, it, every town, every exit, I'm like, this stud is from there, and this stud is from there, and this guy's from here, and that guy's from there. It's like the, that area is so damn good in wrestling, and for Cleveland State not to have a program or or not to support a program is just ridiculous, in my opinion. The same way that uh, whatever the decisions that came into play for Fresno State to be cut, I mean Fresno Fresno's a great great wrestling area, and for the people um, there to to say that wrestling as opposed to another program should be cut um, is really disheartening, and I don't think authentic. Yeah, so the, it sounds like Cleveland State has till March of 2016 to raise eight hundred thousand dollars. And let me say this too, because it really grinds, it really grinds my gears. Like when Fresno State first cut, you know, the, the people in California, the the, um, the government really said, well, you know, it's it's a product of the economic times. Uh, you know, we really can't afford to do this. Well, guess what, civic leaders. You are the morons that instituted the policy. You you are in charge of uh, being fiscally sound enough to support a, to, to, to support athletic programs and academic programs. So it's it's fault on top of fault. That's not a get out of jail free card. You can't just always blame the economy and say, well, it's tough economic times. You're the ones that determined the economic climate in that area. True. True. Uh, and. and you didn't so you cut wrestling you could have cut something else same way with cleveland uh cleveland state you can you can cut something else don't act like you don't have um an agenda i mean that's not a get out of jail free card that's not an excuse yeah i mean you just want lacrosse there well yeah and there's some you know a lot of speculation about why lacrosse this guy was on the ncaa committee for lacrosse he was a college lacrosse player apparently right. um, so you know you can you can connect the dots fairly simply there but um, at, at the same time, um, you, you know, it, you, you don't know where to go with this, but you just hope that, you know, the program's able to be salvaged and that this will um, maybe be a, a shot in the arm to other programs and they'll, you know, have the urgency. And, and really it comes down to, you know, the administration's caring. And the, if an administration is bought in, I feel like um, that, that's, that's, like, that's, what, no. that's what it takes. Um, wrestling coaches could really behoove themselves by buddying up. I mean, I don't want to say you should be a kiss ass, but uh, th there's a lot of wrestling coaches out there that are really close with the athletic department and the uh, um, and the AD. And um, I think uh, you know, look at Steve Martin at Old Dominion. Uh, has a tremendous relationship with the athletic director. There's a lot of there's a lot of different um, college coaches that have great relationships with the athletic director, and and there's obviously ones that that don't. Um, and and a better point yet yeah, is I've been so the, so Jim Harshaw out of Virginia. I've been meaning to have an overflow with him for months and months. Well, about a month, and um, I really want to get him on the show because he knows a lot about the institutional policies and um, what it means uh, specifically with college football and basketball players slated to be paid 
with that on the table and what it means to the Olympic sports. And the gist of it is, is that college programs, wrestling programs, have to be proactive and have to go out and fund themselves. And, and it's an unfortunate reality that you have to fundraise, um, but to secure the longevity of your program, to secure its existence, you have to endow your program. You have to have all your um, expenses endowed. You have to have all your scholarships endowed because you're never safe if, if you don't. You know, a college isn't going to cut a program that's self-funded. You know, when, when Lehigh's uh, entire – not that Lehigh would ever cut the program, but you have, you have programs like Lehigh and I think Penn State where all or a lot of – their scholarships are endowed from alumni and, and, and uh, supporters, boosters. So they're safe. They're never going to go anywhere. Um, yeah, but and those programs have a rich tradition, so that, that begets you know, donations from alumni. If you're a Cleveland State, you haven't had an All-American since 95. Um, so it, it's tough to get that kind of – get guys to open up their wallets to that degree when mm-hmm. – Okay, yeah, Lehigh, you're getting national champions. Okay, Penn State, you're getting national championships. Um, but Cleveland State, you're getting, you know, they had two qualifiers. And th- those guys are actually pretty solid, Williford and Shaw. But uh, that's that's nothing that's going to get someone to open their checkbook, don't you think? Just because, just because it's um, – I, I don't think it's wholly dependent on the success of a program. Uh, you can – you can be proactive. You can go out and attack and try to raise money and have events and hit up former wrestlers from Cleveland State hard and hit civic leaders in the Cleveland uh, community and try to endow that program. Whether uh, you you have five All-Americans every year or you haven't had one since 1995. I mean, Penn State State never had a hockey team. They... um, gotten alumni to donate millions and millions of dollars to start men's and women's hockey i mean, I mean it's penn state willie i mean you, you don't see the difference penn state is a national brand it's a big 10 school this is cleveland state that it's not equal you can't use these schools as examples there's got there might be other examples out there i'm not saying that but i mean it's penn you're state talking, you're talking about an institution that doesn't it didn't have a hockey um, program yeah but it's it's penn state man it's so different i mean that's just not it's apples and and uh, oranges, right? Um, well, okay. and okay. So to your point well, about well, fundraising, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. To to your point about fundraising, my understanding, uh, Coach Tahura has f- fundraised like a madman um, to get anything new, to get any sort of improvements to facilities, locker rooms, things like that. That this is what he does. He's fundraised just to get you know the the basic you know upgrades needed. Um, yeah, right. I shouldn't talk about. I shouldn't talk about what he has done or hasn't done i'm not saying him specifically. they could they could they could be fundraising out of their minds for the last 10 years for all i know but i'm saying it sounds like far too often um when these when the administration drops the axe uh then there's a push then there's a, a push to um fundraise to to keep the program where it should have been proactive you should have been doing this from Jump Street, and maybe maybe Cleveland State has done that. Maybe they haven't, but um, they couldn't keep Boston, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, it's tough, uh, and I feel uh, personally, me, I, you know, I don't know how to feel, how to react, what to, you, you know, we don't know everything that's been going on at Cleveland State. We don't know the challenges they've had. You know, maybe he's just done a bad job. Maybe not. Maybe he's done everything he could, and this is just administration that, um, you know, doesn't care and maybe has it out for wrestling. I mean. Uh, the stories about you know their basically their assistant coaches are their SIDs like there's the SIDs don't do anything for wrestling no media um, releases of any kind if if there's any done it's from it's written by the assistant coaches so this is clearly not a, a university that supports and I'm sure there's blame to go around but certainly it, it starts with the the head honchos at, at CSU so um, you you got anything else there no yeah I feel like uh, you know, I don't know enough on it to really go much further into, you know, why this is happening and what to do. So moving on, um, really, 
uh, my pound for pound rankings came out. Always interested yes, in your did. in your take on uh, on the pound for pound. Is it something that's um, it generated a lot of discussion for a lot of different people, and uh, you know we we tend to view some wrestlers very differently. And I wanted your take on on the pound for pound rankings. What what you thought about them? Um, you know, I'm I'm a rankings nut, you know, and uh, I dig into rankings on anything. Rankings on the best comedies of the 2000s and the best potato chips on planet Earth and every best rapper of all time. Uh, so I dig into rankings, but I will say during the course of the year, um, when things are so busy and I'm turning out rankings for high school. Uh, nonstop. Sometimes I get a little bit lost. I, I, like I look at co- I look at college rank. I look at your rankings um, often, but not really digging in deep to them and analyzing everything. But the ones that I like the best from from college rankings is your is your preseason, your pre NCAA, and your post NCAA rankings. They are my favorite. Uh, I just think that. There's so much more meaning to them um, and so much more gravity uh, that goes into them. Um, So for me, the pound for pound, and I can't wait until your regular rankings come out. Uh, You're the only guy that does it, and um, I think that they're the most, you know, before NCAAs and after NCAAs are the most important of the year. And uh, why other people don't do post-NCAA rankings, I I just don't get. But um, we'll see them next week, correct? Correct. Correct. Okay, so pound for pound, what strikes me, um, and what strikes me is the drasticness of something like like Cody Brewer going all the way up to number seven. Yeah. Um, and 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 on the flip side of that, guys that I would have assumed in November to be a sure shot for pound for pound inclusion in March. Uh, not being there, guys like Jesse Delgado and Nation Garrett. So um, it, it's the polar, it's it's the polar opposites. You know, the guys that have risen high and the guys that have dropped out. So uh, Cody Brewer is at number seven yeah. from an unranked spot. Nathan Tomasello at a nine from an unranked spot. Uh, the other two that weren't ranked before NCAA's that are now in the pound for pounder: Adam Kuhn and Kyle Snyder. Yes, indeed. Uh, you want to talk about Cody Brewer's big, big rise? Yeah, I mean, the, you know, if you'd have told me coming in NCAAs, I would have him in the top ten pound for pound. I said you're nuts. Um, but you can't look at these these three days. It's one thing, you know, if he wins all those matches by a point, uh, it, it's still incredible, and he probably gets him in the top ten or twelve. But when you Dominate, and we talked about 133 all year long, right? We just couldn't stop talking about it because it's like, man, this guy could win, this guy could win. Wait, Dardanes is the best guy. I mean, mm-hmm. he destroyed everybody. 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 He, there was not a, a match where he was ever in danger of losing it. And to, to me, it was a – it was an all-timer bef- performance for me. Yeah. It was like I, I've never seen anything like that. And yeah. – you got to be responsive. That there's, uh, I mean, Cody Brewer hasn't been that at, at any point in his career. But you've got to be responsive when you see him run through to Julius Dardanes, Clark, DiCamillo with no issue at all. Like just looking like clearly the best guy. And well, um, okay, so here's a here's a flip side too. Like, um, you know, when you do rankings, you do them for so long, you have this process that. That's pretty much down pat. This is what you look for uh, on the plus side. This is what you look for on the minus side. And this is how you make sense of it all. And um, people might look at these and say, well, how come this guy is in and how come that guy's not in because of the same situation? Uh, like Cody Brewer was not in, came to the NCAA tournament, steamrolled everybody, and he's in all the way up at number seven. Zeke Moisey was not in, came to the NCAA tournament, steamrolled everybody, didn't even give up a takedown to Gilman, didn't give up a takedown to Nation, didn't I don't think he gave up a takedown to Clamara. It was on a little bit less of a level, but um but yet he's not in. Um and 
it goes it goes back to losses. Like there's no way you can put a guy with that many losses in the pound for pound. And and Zeke, like I mean, I love Zeke is my old time homeboy. I coached him. I was in the corner for him right in his building. Um, so I'm not taking away anything from Zeke's uh, ability or performance, but it's just a rankings process, right? Yeah. Yeah. And I think, um, you know, and that's – I'm going to catch some heat, I'm sure, when the 125 rankings come out, when they look at where I'm probably going to put Zeke Moisey. Um, and, and you just, you know, uh, some will say, oh, well, NCAAs happened. This is, um, you know, this is what it's all about. Yeah, sure, he got second. He was the second best that tournament. And and I'm not trying to take anything away from the kid. All I'm saying is, I'm gonna I, give, I'm gonna give tremendous weight to NCAs. Tremendous. I, this kid's I, gonna go I, from this kid's gonna go from 18th to top. I'm not gonna say top five and higher. Okay, so I, he's making a huge jump based on his NCAA performance. So don't say I don't look at NCAAs, but the kid had 13 losses. Okay, the kid. Um, so you can't just say, oh well, his season was better than Alan Waters. Um, no, it wasn't. It wasn't. So. Yeah, he got second. He outplaced Waters and NCAs, and he deserves to place higher. But I'm not going to let three days completely change the way I view a wrestler. I, I know, I, I, and that's why I don't, I don't understand that position. I don't understand the position of, well, there's no, there's no point in doing rankings after NCAs because it is what it is. Whoever took first is one. Whoever took eighth is eighth. Like, on what planet? On what planet is that accurate? I mean, uh, I mean like, okay, so. So let's say you have Fargo or something, right? Like just because the guy wins Fargo does not make him number one. Just because the guy wins Iron Man or Super Thirty Two, uh, just because he's fourth does not mean he's fourth in the country. Uh, like, um, and I understand that at Division at NCAA's everyone's everybody's there. there. Everybody's there, right? So the whole country. Not every high school wrestler is at Fargo. Not every high school wrestler is at Flow Nationals. But um, it, it's it's not. It's not cut and dry. It's not. It's not carved in stone. I mean, by by whose estimation, right? So one guy takes second, the other one takes fifth. Uh, obviously, obviously, the guy that took fifth might have had a better year. Yeah, you yeah. know, I think. Um, I think the root of it is, and, and it comes with the guys that have good. Well, NCAs is what matters. NCAs. What, yeah, I mean, yes, it is. Yes, it is. And I don't give out any hardware for this. And I don't think anyone, any of these guys are training to be, you know, ranked top number two on, on my, my rankings. I don't think they should be. They're training for the NCAA hardware. I'm not taking that away from them. I'm just saying, here's the information. Here's all the matches they wrestled. Right, exactly. And here's the order. And this is what I came up with. And you can take it or leave it. You can say I'm, I'm a quack for not putting – uh, Daniel Neff in the top eight, even though he was unranked all year long, and his best win was Taiwan Claxton. If you think I'm crazy, then I'm crazy. But um, I'm looking at it the the way I think you should look at it, and the way that makes sense in my mind. And I say this all the time: How much easier would ranking be if I could just take the top eight and the round of twelve and just figure out thirteen through twenty? I mean, my this rankings would take an hour. And instead, it's an all day, and this one's going to take several days of work to get it right. So why would I choose? I mean, do you think I want to choose? I mean, I don't try to make things hard on myself. I just want to do do it the way that's right. No, it's 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 the right move, and it's the rational move. But yeah. some people it's don't think it's the right way to go. And even for postseason rankings, I don't understand why. What is what am I hurting by putting out postseason rankings? Because not everyone thinks I should do them. Uh. I don't know. What, what, what's getting hurt here? I mean, I, like I said, like I said, that's to me, that's the most interesting ranking of the year. It's a whole body of work for the entire season and uh, based on wins and losses. And, um, you know, even in high school tournaments, everybody knows that, that the guy that took fifth might be better than the guy that took third uh, or fourth. Yeah. Based on who they've beaten in the past, be it based on their road in the NCAAs. Um, yeah, I mean, that's the thing. These paths in these 33-man brackets are so not equal. I mean, it's just they're so different, and that's okay. 
and it, it's it's a fair way to determine to determine a top eight. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with it. If you don't place in the top eight, you know, at some point that's on you. But I'm saying you've got to, you know, if Curtis Jolson well, and okay, Joe well, Latham are wrestling in the round of twelve, that's really different from Blaze Butler and Zach Epperly. How many times do you hear the um, stupid, uninformed comment that, uh, oh well, he didn't even a. Yeah, well, he got beat by Hercules and Zeus. Yeah. So, I mean, don't tell me, right? Don't tell me that um, just because of the label AA, yeah. it doesn't mean that he's not good. Yeah, that was the thing with Medbury last year. It he doesn't lost erase to... the fact that he beat so many good guys during the season. Yeah. I I, I mean, I, I don't understand. I mean, I hope to kind of change the way people think about this and view the information and know that it's not bad to think that someone that places eighth may not be the eighth best guy and that's okay um and i hope you know over time and i think people are starting to understand a little bit better but there's still those out there that don't see the value in looking at all the information and um maybe it's because it's easier just to look at three days in march i mean it's easier i'll give them that it's a lot more simple and you can rationalize it i guess but I, my own mind, I can't, I can't make sense of it. So I, I think it's the right thing to do, and um, I'm looking forward to it. You know, it's gonna. Speaking be... of the right thing to do, mm. you got a tweet from someone. I didn't get a tweet. Flow Wrestling got a tweet, but Flow Wrestling got a tweet. Uh, yeah, um, Joey Davis. Um, he is now a three-time Division Two national champion, undefeated, 110 and 0. Um, Thinks he should be in the pound for pound, uh, top twenty, um, and and I, uh, I guess I I really disagree, and I don't know what else to say other than no, uh, you don't belong in the pound for pound, and uh, I think Joey Davis is awesome, but I, I can't you know, be, an injury default win over Taylor Massa, or or beating Tyler Wilps two years ago at the Michigan State Open. I mean, when you look at what all these other guys have done, um, it it just doesn't add up. And and winning at the D two level, um, it, it's different. I'm not trying to not trying to disparage. I'm just saying th- they're split up for a reason, and there's another level for for a reason. And what these guys have to go through to get in the pound for pound, and the rigor of competition they face week in and week out is is tremendous. And I mean, to be frank. Joey Davis, you could go to Midlands if you wanted. You elect not to. I mean, I've heard you. I heard him in an interview where he said, "I like, uh, I like to go home and be with my family at Christmas." Nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with that. Be with your family during Christmas time. I love to do that too. But you can't have it both ways, man. You got if you want to put yourself in this echelon, you got to seek out that that competition because you know you wrestle D two and you know you're not going to face that many D one guys. Am, am I off here? Should I start including? Uh, it's it's kind of impossible in a process yeah, it, in a process based system to to include any really in, really any D two or D three guys unless they're really hitting a lot of D one competition. I can't imagine yeah, I would ever enter one. The only way the only way, you know, like, like we said, rankings are based on a process, and and people are ranked um, according to who they beat. You know, I can a lot of emails and i know once again high school is different than college but i get a lot of emails from dads that say my son is a sophomore two-time state champ um undefeated both years and won sophomore nationals in virginia beach and i say well congratulations but i don't know one human being that he's ever wrestled like i've never heard of these people uh, he's never wrestled a ranked opponent. Um, so how do I gauge that? Yeah. For all I know, he could be the next Alex Derringer. But what I also know is he hasn't beaten anybody with a pulse. Uh, he hasn't beaten anybody for me uh, to use as a barometer. So, um, you know, and, and there, were, there was people, um, uh, Steve McNair, they wanted to win the Heisman when he was not a division. He was a, a one double A and you could maybe make a case because they did play some division one teams. So, but like Joey Davis doesn't really wrestle division one guys. I mean, you know, Taylor Massa, 
Yeah. Who's never AA'd? I'm, uh, Tyler Wilps is, is that, and he's beaten Wilps. Okay, he's beaten Tyler Mark Wilps. Martin. He's beaten Elliot Riddick and, and Taylor Massa. I'm not saying it's right. very I, it's very it, obvious that that Joey Wilps, Davis would compete at at this level. Jo- Joey Davis would compete at the 174 level, 184. Absolutely, he no question. Probably he would probably place. He'd probably be an All American. But man, uh, I can't just assume because you beat Tyler Wilps, you don't get all of Tyler Wilps's wins because you beat him. Yeah in 2013 uh november you know i I, you don't get all his wins and there's a lot of people that have also beaten you know zach epperly beat tyler wilps this year um zach epperly has a better case for the pound for pound than than joey davis he beat both the um he beat the one and the two so and obviously zach epperly is not even close to being the pound for pound and he also had a win over soldier who was top four all year whatever it was no zach zach epperly didn't wrestle i mean not soldier uh yeah, who beat Soldier? He beat Butler. Um, who beat, Ramos. Yeah, Ethan Ramos. So, anyways, I mean, there are guys that aren't even close to the pound-for-pound pound rankings that have better wins than, than Joey. So, um, hey, it's nothing personal against any of the D2 or D3 guys. Um, but first of all, I mean, they're they're D1 pound-for-pound pound rankings, right? I mean, they're Division One. Um, if there ever was a guy, you know, if someone was just amazing, you know, he was like a, well, like a Tervel, a Tervel type, and he's going – I mean, Tervel, Well, there's, there's been – there's been a couple guys to win. Um, okay, Marcus Levasseur from Augsburg. Mm-hmm. He went his entire career undefeated. Um, but again, didn't wrestle. Didn't wrestle the Division One guys. Uh, uh, Nick Ackerman actually tied. Nick Ackerman from Simpson College um, was co-Hodge winner in 2001 with Kale Sanderson. And Emmett Wilson from MSU Northern outright won um, the Hodge one year. So those are lower lower division guys to win the Hodge and be in that conversation. But, um, you know, I, I'm with you. Joey Davis is a tremendous talent, and there's absolute, absolutely no doubt that he could go with these guys For sure. Uh, sure. at Division One level. But he doesn't. <laughs> but, he, you know, it doesn't happen. Yep. Yep. So uh, that's that's where I'm at with that decision, and um, yep, I hope it's uh, you know it's never anything personal, just my decision, and that's how I, that's how I go. So um, enough on the pound for pound. We good with the rankings in general, there, Willie? Yeah, man. I just I can't wait to see your um, can't wait to see your end of the year ones. Me too. <laughs> I'll be glad when they're done, um, for sure. And then they'll be done for a while, but there'll be a great sneak peek to. Uh, next year's kind of the team race. Um, I'm not taking the seniors out yet. I'll take them out next fall. But you'll you'll be able to see kind of where guys are gonna slot in. And I love that's my favorite time of the year. Like uh, my favorite time of the year to do rankings is like um, by the time this season end, like like at the end. Right now, after Flow Nationals, Virginia Beach High School Nationals. Um, so like next week when I have to sift through all these three big tournaments, it's a big chore. And I love to see the way that the high school rankings come out to end the year. Um, however, like I'm almost like, I almost get tired of these guys. <laughs> like, like I, I know the landscape. I know what they've done. Um, I know the situation and there's nothing really shocking or surprising really. And so uh, I'm kind of over it. But the very, like, most exciting rankings of the year to me are, like, a week or two after this. So so next week or the following week will be the final rankings of the year. And then a week or two after that, I will remove all seniors. And that's the coolest thing to me because uh, you look at, like, okay, this kid's honorable mention, right? No, Like, no big deal. Like, he's honorable mention not a bad wrestler. And then you take out the seniors and he becomes like eighth right, or, right. or 12th. And you're like, you know what? This kid is an up and comer. This kid's, this kid's going to be like a player on the national scene next year. So it's a, it's a major shakeup and it gives you a picture, um, into what to look forward to in the summer and going into next year. So that's the, that's the funnest time of the year for rankings for me. Yep. We'll look forward to yours. We're looking forward to all these high school tournaments that are going to be going on. Folk Nationals in Iowa. And we've got Flow uh, Nationals this weekend. So I'm sure you'll have you a lot of shaking see, up, too. You should see the arena here. It is sweet. 
Yeah. I mean, Bader was telling me it looks really, really sharp. I'm sad I won't be there. I will be in Iowa with Bracky, and that's okay. Um, but yeah, I'm gonna miss you guys and miss watching the action there. Of course, I'll be watching live uh, as it's going down Saturday and Sunday when I get home. So, should be some good stuff. Um, we'll move on to the best to never win it, Willie. Yeah, I, you know, I sent out a tweet. Um that that you could make the argument that two of the best to never win it um might be from my hometown. Brian Snyder lost uh Brian Snyder Nebraska uh lost in the finals two years in a row on OT rideout. Mm. Uh and and Mike McMullen went three two three three uh in the course of his career. Um and it, it started a that uh, tweet started a debate, and it, it starts a debate every year, right? At the end, the end of NCAs, somebody that's had a long uh, legacy and has performed highly at the NCAAs for four years but never won it, they always uh, the debate always starts: Is he among the best to never win it? Yeah. And um, and what's your take on that, CP? Who who is among your list of the best to never win it? Well, some that come to mind for me, just in my base of knowledge and having really watched a lot of guys is kind of you know it's i'm not a historian um like many guys or like you knowing back you know 2000s and 99s and you know back there i i know i know what's on youtube basically you know i was in you know high school then so i don't really know but um the one that came to mind for me um as, as a really good guy that never won was Hayeswinkle, right wasn't he three 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 two yeah, I think I think something like major, that. Major Major Donahoe the two weeks before at Big Twelves and loses in the NCAA finals. I mean that was a really freaking good guy. And another guy that comes to mind uh, with Oklahoma roots is Tyler Caldwell. Um, here's his losses at NCAA's: David Taylor, Kyle mm-hmm. Dake, Jordan Burroughs, Andrew Howe, and uh, Nikamucha Stegwi, who was a two-time finalist. Those are those are the guys that beat him. That's it. National champ, two-time national champ, four-time national champ, two-time yeah, national right, so. champ. You know, it's crazy. So he's really good. Um, th- for me, the best guy. That- Tyler, the Tyler Caldwell situation uh, illustrates a good point. I think I have a good point to contradict that. Okay. But go on. We'll get to that in a second. He was a good one. Um, I think Reese Humphrey was pretty good, you know, recently. I think Craig Brester from Nebraska. And th- like I said, these are guys th- that I watched that I thought were awesome. Um, Craig Bresser, you know, behind Varner, he's actually beaten Varner. Varner is one of the, you know, he was a guy he probably should have won a Hodge or could have won a Hodge debatably his senior year. So he was behind him. Nick Simmons, of course. Um, I think this year Mitchell Port, uh, even more so than Mike McMullen, is, is one of the better guys to not win. And I feel like I feel like he's really – I mean, I feel like – I want you to go through the list of the guys. That, I want you to go through this list, but I am chomping at the bit to make a point. Um, okay, I, I name my guys. The The list above it is your list. I didn't put those names down there. Yeah, all right. Well, okay, so the guys I had listed are, are uh, Chad Zaputl from Iowa. Uh, Isn't it Zapital? Zapital, I, whatever. <laughs> Zaputl. going to come at me for my pronunciation. <laughs> Sorry. How do you say it? I, I've, only, I've only ever heard people say Zapital, and Iowa people help us out here. Well, you know, I've seen his name in print for like 30 years. I, I get I get that at Fargo every year too. When I'm announcing finals, they're like, "You don't say it. It's not Trembley. It's Tremblay." Like, all right. Well, I've been saying it in my brain that way for a decade, so it's tough to not say it that way. It's all right. I've been right. saying Zapoodle. I, I hope you would do the same for me. Peels, <laughs> Christian Peels. Uh, but um. <laughs> Zapadil, a three-time runner-up, and to some uh, to some studs, he lost twice to uh, uh, what's his name from Penn State that had that epic match with um, Prescott, Jeff Prescott. Yes, T- two of his losses were to Prescott, and one was to somebody else. Jerry Abbas, another guy that his law, lo- three-time runner-up, his losses were to ridiculous people. Um, McElrabby in that uh, legendary yes. comeback. 16 or something. Yeah. Um, Snyder lost to. I have Snyder down here. Snyder lost to T.J. Williams and Luke Becker, who he had beaten earlier that year. 
or multiple times that year. Uh, Mike Poeta. Everybody says Mike Poeta, and I have Poeta down here. So uh, Zapital, Abbott, Snyder, and McMullen are guys that I agree with. I put Poeta in that list because um, he is a name that always comes up, and a lot of people believe that he should be in that group. I don't necessarily agree. Um, Mike Poeta was freaking good. Mike Poeta was freaking good, but I'll tell you, this is why. Now, okay, here's the caveat is I don't know Poeta's whole ledger. I don't know who he beat and didn't beat. But this is why, to me, and I love Tyler Caldwell, love him. But this is why, to me, Caldwell is a notch below McMullen. You're going to say I'm crazy. No, I don't think that. Go ahead, though. Maybe I will. McMullen beat national champs. Right. Caldwell never beat those guys. Yes, he did. He beat uh, He beat Hal. Beat Hal? Yeah. He didn't beat JB. He had a close one in Big 12 Finals, right? I mean, who beat those guys? <laughs> I mean, McMullen beat guys that... Uh... I'm not saying... No, I'm not saying that. I feel I'm not you. saying he's a... I'm not saying that he's a tier below because, uh, you know, well, nobody... And then you counter with nobody ever beat him. What I'm saying is it's easier for me to say best to never win it when he beat the guy... When a guy beat those who did win it. Right. No, I agree with that. Okay, so you can say you can say Mitchell Port again. I love Mitchell Port, and and in most years Mitchell Port is good enough to Mitchell Port was good enough to be a national champion most years. However, he did he never beat Logan Steber. I mean, you're you're talking one of the three or four best of all time, and and Mike McMullen. You know, Nick Wazdowski is really good, and Tony Nelson's really good, but uh... and McMullen beat them. Right, but don't you understand the difference between Logan Steber and Tony Nelson? Yes, but I'm saying. But that's the, but your I'm point saying, is he beat those name, guys. If name a national champ, Mitchell Port beat. Um, well, mm-hmm. Hunter I, when Hunter Steber gets his chip, uh-huh. he'll have beaten him. Uh, name, even a guy like Craig Brester. Craig Brester. I mean, he beat Varner the week before. Right. Two weeks before NCAA's. Um. Yeah, I, I mean, it, when Logan Steber's in your way, it's a different it's a different story. I I hear you. I'm I'm okay with it. I mean, he beat Zane Rutherford. He beat uh, who's probably gonna win multiple titles, um, in my opinion. I think Zane's amazing. He beat Devin Carter, who never won, but you know, whatever. I I just think Port Port uh, gets shortchanged a good bit. No, I, I you know I think in most years I I think that Mitchell Port is better than. A lot of NCAA champions that have ever been. <laughs> yeah, you know. No, I agree. I think he, honestly, I mean, they obviously had a pretty good 149 at Edinburgh, um, but I think Port would have won 149 this year. Yeah, personal opinion. Uh, but yeah, anyways, I I like Port a lot. Those are some of the guys I thought of. Um, yeah, McMullen. Okay, you bring up McMullen. So- I'm glad. Yeah, you, I'm, McMullen went. Listen, McMullen went three two three three, uh-huh. in. In, to me, and and this it goes back to your your pound for pound rankings, which people are like three heavyweights in the pound for pound. The, pound, the heavyweights is, are great to me. This this era, this mini era of heavyweights, you cannot underscore it. I mean, you cannot undervalue it. These guys are good. And for McMullen to lose one match at NCAAs for three straight years, I mean, you take third as a freshman at NCAAs. Every time you go to the NCAAs, you lose only one match. Uh, hey, you're not going to get me to talk down about heavyweights. I, I sent a tweet. I love the heavyweight class, how good it's been. We're going to look back in like maybe three or four years and be like, oh, my gosh, what happened? Where's Nick yeah. Wazdowski? Where's Mike McMullen? Please save us. I oh, think that's going to happen. In, um, in, in like five years, we're going to be like, man, we wish we had that crop. Yeah, it's like, he, okay, yeah, if they were 150 pounds smaller, what would they do? I don't know. If Jesse Delgado was 200 pounds bigger, how good would he do? I don't – I mean, why – these hypotheticals are nonsensical. Just look uh, yeah. at how good these guys are. I mean, Adam Kuhn – He's beaten Nick Wazdowski. He's beaten Tony Nelson. He's beaten Mike McMullen. He's beaten Bobby Telford three times. I mean, the kid is good. Yeah, he's lost to good guys. He lost to Ty Walls, who's an All-American. He lost to Jeremy Johnson, who's an All-American. Lost to Marzen, who's an All-American. Like, yeah, he's had some losses. 
But he's also beaten the best. Remember, he's a true sophomore. He's true gonna sophomore. He's gonna have ebbs and tides, you know. Yeah, and as a you know, when most guys would be freshmen, he would normally you know, this would be his freshman year if he had redshirted last year, and he's in the finals. I mean, I don't understand how you can. I don't understand how you can watch Adam Kuhn and view him as this big plotting. Um, you know, this is not, and I'm not trying to talk down to any. Other, you know, I'm not trying to make fun of Dustin Fox, but Dustin Fox was not very fun to watch. Adam Kuhn to me is really fun to watch and does like offense things and was like really, really freaking good. And um, I, I don't think he's that guy. He's not that kind of a heavyweight. I get, I understand why some people don't like heavyweights, but these guys, these three, and you know, Medberry, uh, they're freaking yeah. fun to watch. Like yeah, they're when, they're good. Hey, I'll Medbury, tell you, you know, when Medberry is like a mid tier, Medberry is damn good. So good, he's so good. He he and he has so much offense. Um, and I think people are just kind of missing the boat on heavyweight. Dang, there's a lot more points scored at heavyweight than there were in 149 this year. I will never stop making fun of 149. I guess that's what I'm learning. I mean, everything comes back to 149, just, but that was a boring weight. Get how I said it in the beginning of the year, and truthfully, to toot my own horn, I said it four years ago, three years ago, because of the crop of kids that were coming out in high school, the heavyweight prospects. I said NCAs is going to be one of the most loaded weights uh, going forward, and it has been. And to, in the beginning of the year, I mean, you can, in my opinion, it's the deepest weight in the country. I mean, you you look at the middleweights, and you know since Metcalf. And Caldwell, uh, you know, there was that era. There was that era at sixty-five that was boring as heck. Mm -hmm. Um, so I mean, it it goes in cycles based on personnel, based on who's there, the based on the prospects that the the country is producing at what weights. But um, I think it's because traditionally heavyweights are less. Ex Exciting and slow and boring, uh, if you will, um, that this crop of heavyweights and their depth gets overlooked because, ah, they're heavyweights. No, these guys are good. This is a great group. Yeah, I, I just don't understand how you can watch these guys and, and put them in that box. I mean, wa literally watch them and tell me. I mean, the, 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 two, the NCAA finals was 7-6. to six. I mean, 13 points between heavyweights. That, you know, that's saying something. I mean, did you see the scramble between Kuhn and McMullen? Did you did you watch that? Incredible. I mean, I think – see, here's the thing. They say, oh, if they lost – if they weren't as big, they wouldn't be as good. I think it's amazing the way they move for how big they are. I take yeah. it the other way. Do you know – I mean, they're that big and they can move that well. That, to me, um, it, it's, it's harder. It's easy to be 125 pounds and move really quickly. It's not yeah. that easy to move 260 pounds – um, that fast. And, well, and we're seeing a new a new era. I mean, the the current climate of heavyweights is is smaller bodied and athletic. Outside of Bobby Telford, I mean, all these guys move really well. Yeah, and Telford went to legs more than uh, I think people realize. Like he he could attack the legs, but yeah. Um, so I'm gonna defend heavyweights for the time being while it's good. You know, we've got Gwiz is back next year. Coons back next year. Um, but you know, it's, we're losing some good ones. We're going to lose, um, you know, McMullen and Telford, but right now it's, it's a good weight and I have no problem having three, um, heavyweights in there and only so you take out, you take out McMullen and Telford. You got, you got back Gwiz, Medbury, Coon, Marsden. That's a good four. Yeah. And, I've... and oh, by the way, Nick Neville's coming onto the scene. I watched him at the scuffle. That kid is is as real as it gets. Yeah, you talk about an athletic athletic guy that can really move, and that that's fun to watch. I mean, he does some unconventional things. I mean, he really wrestles with feel. Yeah, yeah, he's he's gonna be he's gonna place at a minimum as a freshman. I feel very okay. confident in saying that. And so so instead of instead of making fun of heavyweights, let's um let's look at what's actually boring and find and call out the actual boring ones and don't just subscribe to the oh they're big and boring because they're not all right have we defended the big men enough and we are small people willie um yeah you know? i'm a 25 I, I'm, I'm a fan of the lightweights and um that being said i can't talk uh, praise the heavyweights highly enough this crop but i think 
we just set a record for the longest conversation about heavyweight wrestling. Oh, by the way, uh, one more. Broadcast history. Tervel Delagnev's awesome, too. and He's not an NCAA, but I love watching that guy, too. So there's another heavyweight I love to watch. Okay, that was a lot of heavyweight talk. Where, where do you want to go next, Smalls? Uh, where are we at? Oh, I know what I want to get to. I made this point a while ago uh, about Jerome Ward. And yeah. um, I was like, man, wait till I show you this list of – and I didn't have it on me. I was like, I'll bring it up on, on another show. All the guys Jerome Ward – Jerome Ward was an upper weight for okay. Iowa State. Hold on. You have your turn. I always stop talking and give you a turn. So just no, don't no. interrupt me. No, no, no. Hold on. Jerome Ward, upper weight for Iowa State. He wrestled 84 and 97. Here and, – and, and Willie scoffed. But here are the guys he's beaten. Mike Pasillo, national champ. Steve Bozak, national champ. Mike Miller, NCAA finalist. Zach Eason, All-American. Sonny Yon, three-time All-American. Phil Keddy, multiple All-American. Luke Lofthouse, All-American. Josh Enan, All-American. Ryan Loader, multiple All-American. And then two guys that were just good, Brenton Haynes and Nate Scheidel. Jerome Ward beat all those dudes. He was good. And um, you say stop. I say no. I say Jerome Ward was excellent. He just didn't put it together. His gas tank was suspect at best. But Jerome Ward could freaking wrestle. No, th- the reason I said stop is because I thought that you listed this under best guys to never win a national title. Not you changed the subject, uh-huh. on me, and I didn't realize it. And you made it the best to never AA. That's okay. That's what I'm making it now. I wasn't going to say he's the best guy. I mean, the kid didn't even play. You were saying Jerome Ward is in the conversation for the best guy to never win a national title. No, but honestly, his wins, uh, if you just looked at his wins, they were kind of on par with a lot of these really good guys. But, no, I wouldn't make that leap. But um, that's why I say just don't don't just look at All-American finishes. Look at the guys. I mean, you could tell me Jerome Ward's not an All-American caliber wrestler. I mean, there are not many guys with wins over two different national champs and multiple finalists and – uh, this and that. So, Jerome Ward, there's you got a, a supporter out here, and you've been out of the game for a little bit, but um, CP thinks you were good. So I don't know what you think, Willie. But a lot of people made fun of Jerome Ward because his he would uh, he had no issue getting backed out of bounds and throwing up an injury time signal for for no real reason. But uh, I think that gave him a bad name. But he straight up beat some really good guys. So uh, a little shout out for Jerome. Well, I mean, Ward. do you have? Uh, that would take a little bit more research, to be honest, on my part, and a little more preparation for the show. I didn't know we were going to get into it, but I mean, do, do you have a list of any other guys that are in that category, best to never AA? I know, like, um, Noel Thompson was something like a three-time round of 12 guy or yeah. something ridiculous like that. So to be, you know, one win away from an All-American three or four times, that's pretty impressive. Yeah, I don't have, like, a big list of guys. I have guys that, that come to mind. Um, Jake Suflon, probably one of the better guys to not place. Max Thomasite. Um, oh, yeah. I mean, Suflon's got a year left, and I think he'll place, but I thought he was going to place last year and maybe even the year before that, so who knows. But, um, yeah, Thomasite's definitely one in more recent memory that, that comes to mind as he lost in the round of 12 or, yeah, lost in the round of 12 once again. So um, there's some good guys out there, but none. Yeah, so, you know, you guys listening at home, comment underneath who you think – um, are the best to never AA shed a little light, shine a light on that. Yeah. Um, so I don't... conversations come up every year. Every year after the NCAA tournament is like you reevaluate history on who is the best to never AA, who's the best to never uh, win a, a, a title. So um, it's interesting to look back. Yeah, it, it definitely is. Um, so we had the Yasser Dogu. I talked about it a little with Bradkey. Um you know, there, there's some very interesting weights internationally for us um, as far as who's going to be the guy at, at different weight classes. And the one we always talk about um, is 74 kilograms. Uh, of course, that's Burroughs' weight, but we've got a lot of r- really good guys there. Um, and the topic of discussion was David Taylor. Is David Taylor number two at, at 74? What do you think, Willie? Number two where? In the United States? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, it, you can't. You can't tell. Yeah. I mean, He's wrestled – Dake had a close match with uh, Burroughs. Uh, Taylor had a close match with Burroughs. Burroughs has a lot of close matches with everybody, though. I mean, he had a he had a close match in the first round of Worlds with somebody from Guinea-Bissau or somewhere like that. But um, who knows where Dake is at? I know. 
know. I feel like he's the X Factor. For, for me, uh, here's Dake's a- number two until, um, even though he's been out of the game, he's still for me the the number two he's guy until two proven people? Like, how can you say that? Because he's. Just, I mean, that's just an opinion, right? I mean, um, it's it's more than an opinion. I mean, it's a, I reached the opinion for like a long time. Yeah, yeah. It's it's been a while. He's been hurt, but I mean. Uh, he's, he's very Here's, much in the middle of his athletic prime. He's beaten Taylor multiple times. He's beaten Howell multiple times. Um, I, I want to start a campaign, though. Okay. I want to start a campaign, like a million-man march. Like, I want to march on Switzerland, however you say the, t- the, the name of the town that United World Wrestling is in, and demand an 80-kilogram weight class. Yes. Yes. We need it. it. There's too big of a gap. 163 pounds to 185 pounds is way too big, man. We need an 80 kilogram weight class. Yeah, I it we uh we got too many guys bunched up and too many quote tweeners. And I, I, I don't guess. think you know. I don't think uh, I'm being self-serving in the fact that you, you know. Well, you know, Americans want an 80 kilogram weight class because they're so deep in that area right now. No, that's not the case at all. Uh, it's too big of a gap, and I'm sure that there's incredible amount of talent that's a tweener in Russia and Iran and Azerbaijan uh, and Turkey. And so, um, 163 to 185 is too big, much too big. It's enormous, and I. We have two upper weights, and we only have one. I mean, we only have one true lightweight. I mean, that's just from a. I don't know. When you think about wrestling, you know, I'm not saying it's a little man sport, but. Uh, well, look at, you know, well, I don't know how long ago, twenty years ago or something, there was like 105. <laughs> yeah, it was. It was so tiny. Now we're getting bigger and bigger, and now there's no 60 kilo, which was like the most fun to watch. So now we got 57. Then we go all the way up to 65, which is, to me, that's a middleweight. So we have one white lightweight class, and we have two upperweight. That's, for me, it, it needs to shift down, uh, not not up. And from an entertainment perspective, and I'm not trying to kind of go against what I was saying before, all big guys aren't boring, but, um, man, that, that 60 kilo weight class was just so much fun to watch. So, yeah, yeah I think we needed an 80. I, I think it's it's a preposterous gap between 74 and 85 you know and it comes in it comes into play what comes into play is um the olympics right well we can't we we can only have this amount of weight classes because the olympic committee said so and the program needs to be shorter and there needs to be equal weights with girls and boys well guess what man guess what the olympics are once every four freaking years uh there's a community there's a population around the globe that eats, sleeps, and breathes wrestling, the other, I don't know, 1,400 days of the year in between the Olympics. So who cares? Okay, so the Olympics want us, wants us to have uh, six weight classes uh, for freestyle. Fine. Have 10 in every other event. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's it's being held. I mean, we're kind of prisoners to the Olympics and, and well, their, their whims. Know. Yeah, should, I know. I know. I'm I'm agreeing more, with listen, you. The more the more weight classes there are, the more stars there are. Yeah. The more stars there are, the grander the sport is. The more relatable the sport is. I don't disagree. I think uh, I think just people are very wary in, in our sport of going against um the the IOC's wishes. Yeah, but we don't have to, you don't have to go against the IOC. You don't I have to go NCIC, you comply with the IOC uh, once every four years. The rest of the time, you do what's in the best interest of your sport. Yeah. No, you make a good point. You make a good point. Um, I would love to see more weight classes, obviously. Um, you know, I don't know if anybody, you know, this has been known, but uh, I've said on many occasions that I love freestyle. I love folk style. Uh, I love college wrestling. I absolutely love high school wrestling and and. I, I love the big events. I love Fargo and Flow Nationals, um, I, you know, Iron Man, Dapper Dan. But I really dig in to the freestyle season. Uh, I love going to Akron. 
Um, I love going to world team trials and U.S. Open. And, and you know, I'm sitting here at Flow Nationals and I love it. And I can't wait. But uh, soon we will get to uh, the freestyle circuit. And I'm looking and the Open is May 5th through 9th. Did you get your tickets yet? Got Did you get your plane ticket? I got it. It's official. May nice. 4th, I'll be there. Yeah, I can't freaking wait. Uh, for you. So I was talking with uh, Don Bashad. I know he says he listens every day, so thanks for that. And uh, we were talking, and he got me so fired up for the U.S. Open. Now it's really on my mind, trying to stay, uh, keep my head in what's in front of me, which right now is Folk Nationals and, and Flow Nationals, and then um, a couple things after that. So, uh, But, yeah, U.S. Open is going to be amazing. It's going to be here before we know it. Really, it's 10.59. We are, we are quickly running out of time. I don't know when we're going to do this again. I would guess Monday. I don't know. Uh, when are you going to be back? Monday. We're going to crush it Monday. Yeah, we are. And hey, Willie, you don't know this right now. I'm playing outro music. Someone requested this, and this is the song you like. So we are um, appreciative of you guys tuning in. We thank you for listening. We're going to be back. We're going to be back hopefully Monday at 9 a.m. Central for Willie Sailor. I'm Christian Piles. Uh, thanks a lot. We'll see you next time.